Hello and welcome to the Harvest Podcast, brought to you by The Field in Charlotte, North Carolina. Here at The Field, we put love into action. We hope you are blessed by these previous sermons by Reverend Dr. Peter M. Wary. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a comment on whichever podcast platform you use. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Mayfield Memorial Missionary Baptist Church and Instagram at The Field CLT. Today we're going to be talking from the book of Mark, chapter 11, verses 12 through 14 and verses 20 through 22. And we'll be reading from the Good News Translation. And it reads, The next day, as they were coming back from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He saw in the distance a fig tree covered with leaves So he went to see if he could find any figs on it. But when he came to it, he found only leaves because it was not the right time for figs. Jesus said to the fig tree, no one shall ever eat figs from you again. And the disciples heard him. Verse 20, early the next morning, as they walked along the road, they saw the fig tree. It was dead all the way down to its roots. Peter remembered what he had what had happened and said to Jesus, "Look, teacher, the fig tree you cursed has died." Jesus said, but Jesus answered them, saying, "Have faith in God. I assure you that whoever tells this hill to get up and throw itself at the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him." For this reason I tell you, When you pray and ask for something, believe that you have received it and you will given whatever you ask for. And when you stand and pray, forgive anything that may have that you may have against anyone so that your father in heaven will forgive you the wrongs you have done. Please pray with me for a little while as we talk from the topic, the cure for chaos. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people. We pray that you would allow this word to dig deep into their hearts and their souls, God, and touch and mend any and everything that is not like you. We pray that anything that is broken, that is lacking, that is not working, that is unproductive, that is not like you, God, that you would remove it right now. For it's in Jesus' name we pray that you would get the glory. Amen. God is a God of order. From Genesis 1 and 1 to Revelations 22 and 21, God operates in order. God's authoritative command, direction, or instruction of the arrangement or disposition of people or things in relation to each other according to a particular sequence, a particular pattern, or a particular method is order. It's in every step of the creation. It's order that is God's method of operation when he gives life's instructions to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. When he provided the instructions to Moses concerning everything his people would encounter, all the way down to the worship furniture, tabernacle supplies, worship practices, and even the vestments of the priest and the laws protecting God's relationship with his people, he was establishing 
order. Throughout the word of God, we see order. Everything follows a supernatural progression of functionality as a means of maintaining that order. The sun and moon progress throughout the day and night, both facilitating and marking the progression of order. Even the way the oceans, waves, and tides behave are governed by God's order. The way the earth flowers and waters itself follows a particular order. The reproduction of plants and people requires order. Order is so engrafted into our existence that we require it to function properly from day to day. Order is woven into our daily routines. Most of us get up and follow an established process to start our day. For some of us, this process is a cyclical morning ceremony of actions that sets the tone for the remainder of our day, if successfully completed. The typical cycle is the alarm goes off, you eventually get up, you shower, you dress, eat or drink something for breakfast at home on the way to work or while you're working, you go through your six to 12 hour work or school day, you grab dinner, spend time with family, wind down from the day's activities, prepare for bed, and then try to get a good night's sleep before you get back up to repeat the cycle the next morning. The natural or typical progression of things and events has been the marker of every peaceful and peaceful time that we've experienced. Order is and has always been the calling card of cohesiveness and harmony. When there is order, everything functions as it ought to, like the carefully calculated functions of the cogs and coils in a clock. Like a well-oiled machine, things run smoothly and all is congruent. When there is order and life goes according to plan, your day is just fine. But life seldom goes according to plan. Most of the time, the slightest pushback to establish order introduces the seed of rebellion to order and it grows and as it grows, which it so often does, life just starts lifing. These are times that it seems that the system that God set up to help you get through life goes offline. It cuts up, it short circuits, goes haywire and runs completely amok. Things that were once orderly become disorderly and chaotic. That rebellion lingers as if it is floating through time and space, brought on by a division of wills, disharmony, and a clash of divine directives. Now, when that rebellion shows up and mixes with things like frustration and anger and doubt and worry and anxiety and sadness and depression, the result is the conception of dysfunction, disharmony, division, and the universal need for the reset of forgiveness, followed by the birth of chaos. And this chaos is most potent when the plan for the clay and the plan of the potter don't match up. Chaos is like cancer. And like cancer, it shows up and kills all things good. 
and it spreads and if left untreated, it'll spread and kill more. And like cancer, it spreads and grows quickly when it gets exposed to life-giving oxygen. We see chaos in the media. We see it in our families. We see it in our jobs. We see it in our schools. We see it in the church running rampant and threatening to spiritually destroy entire countries, entire cultures, and the entire world. The truth of the matter is that chaos thoroughly understands its assignment, and it is showing up every day in full vigor to shut down any and all signs of order, all signs of peace and harmony in God's plan for your life. But the good news is, that God's plan for your life has a fail-safe, which makes it fail-safe. That means it's only has a, it only has a reset built in, but it is unlikely and unable to fail. It's this fail-safe that initiates the cure for chaos. What is this fail-safe, and how do we cure chaos? There are two things that you have to do. And the first thing is that you have to keep working your assignment. If you actually go to a Burger King, the Burger King name is synonymous for what Burger King stands for. You don't go to Burger King and expect to find any burgers not on the menu. If you order a burger at Burger King, you expect to see it beautifully wrapped in the package. And when you open it, it's going to be more than a bun, lettuce, tomatoes, onions, pickles, and mayo. You don't expect to open this bun with lettuce, tomatoes, onions, and pickles and find no burger. So the fact of the matter is, is that whatever you advertise should be what you are willing to produce. Earlier in this 11th chapter of Mark, Jesus has made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem and entered into the temple. After which, he and the 12 disciples retired into Bethany for the night, possibly at the home of Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. According to verses 12 and 13, Jesus saw the fig tree off in the distance while on his way back to Jerusalem from Bethany. Now, we're not told just how far off in the distance this tree actually was. But we are told that Jesus saw that it was covered with leaves. Now, it's important to note that all of this is taking place during the week of Palm Sunday in the springtime of the year, around early to mid-April. It is also important to note that fig trees typically go through multiple seasons, usually three to six years of growth before it is able to produce figs, even if the leaves are present. Depending on the climate, when ready, the fig tree may produce two crops of figs per year. The early crop of figs develops with or before the leaves of the fig tree grow out. The majority of the figs fall to the ground as the leaves grow with a certain amount of this early crop staying on the tree to become ripe around June. The second batch of figs is typically not ripe 
until about August, and it grows in from the spring buds. But by December, the trees have shed all leaves and remain bare until it begins to bud again in late March with both leaves and another crop of figs that are untimely or unripe. Now, why is this important? So glad you asked. Bethany, whose name is translated to mean house of dates, was about two miles from Jerusalem on the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives. But about one mile in closer to Jerusalem was the city of Bethphage, the likely location of the fig tree in our text, whose name means house of unripe figs. So here we have a tree in the right place named after where it is. So this fig tree not having any figs, even though there are leaves present, looks like a demonstration of rebellion. Stay with me. It's going to make sense in a few minutes. It was not living up to the behavior that correlated with the identity that the place it was said, that the place it was in said it should have. What I mean is, it was like the Burger King, but it was like the burger with no burger at the Burger King. But why is this significant? And what does this have to do with your commitment to working your assignment? The answer to that question is in the curse that Jesus spoke on the tree in verse 14. And I need you to read it with me one more time. In verse 14, Jesus said to the fig tree, no one shall ever eat figs from you again. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been reading this fig tree curse forever as if the fig tree never produced figs a day in its existence. All this time, this tree was providing shade, as trees normally do. It was providing shelter to birds and other animals, as trees normally do. But I assumed that it had never once provided figs, which Jesus was looking for it to naturally do. But we see that that is not the case. Jesus says to this tree, no one shall ever eat figs from you again. The again changes everything. That means that someone has eaten figs of this tree before. And now the tree is providing everything else except for what it was purposed for. It's now out of order. This is chaos manifested the natural order of things has been upset and it would seem that this is why Jesus curses the fig tree. This tree is just like some of us. Some of us have stopped doing what we are assigned to do. Some of us have never even started doing what we are assigned to do. We just continue to do what we want to do because we are naturally good at it and it comes so easily. But we will stop doing what we are assigned to do because it requires a lot from us. Assignments continually drag us around the rugged, raggedy outsides of our comfort zones. But in order to cure the chaos, we have to keep working in our assignments. Working our assignments in good times and bad times, hard times and easy times is the first step to curing chaos. Now, after you determine to keep working your assignment, the next step is to initiate 
the fail safe. Early the next morning, as they walked along the road, Jesus saw the fig tree. It was dead all the way down to the roots. Peter remembered what had happened and said to Jesus, look, teacher, the fig tree you cursed has died. Jesus answered him, have faith in God. I assure you that whoever tells this hill to get up and throw itself in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. For this reason, I tell you, when you pray and ask for something, believe that you have received it and you will be given whatever you ask for. And when you stand and pray, forgive anything you may have against anyone so that your father in heaven will forgive you the wrongs you have done. Now, I told you earlier that God's plan for your life has a fail safe, which is fail safe. A failsafe is a system or a plan that initiates in the event of something going wrong. It is also used to prevent something from going wrong. As an adjective, a failsafe is causing a piece of machinery or system to revert to a safe condition in the event of a breakdown or a malfunction. That sounds like the chaos in your life to me. In other words, a failsafe is a reset that is built into something that keeps it from failing or not completing the task that it was designed to complete. A failsafe also makes something failsafe, which means it is unlikely and unable to fail. Now, I also told you that the upsetting or of the natural order of things seemed like the reason that Jesus cursed the fig tree. But what if I told you that the curse of the fig tree was never about the figs? What if I told you that the failsafe that you have to initiate to cure chaos is faith in forgiveness? Verse 14 highlights the fact that the disciples heard Jesus curse the fig tree. They heard him. When they saw the fig tree dead from the root the next morning, Jesus tell them that they have to, they can have the same results if they have faith in God and believe that they will have what they ask for whenever they speak it. Forgiveness is the fail safe, but faith in God with a pure heart makes it fail safe. That makes it foolproof. When you have faith and a pure heart through forgiveness, you speak over yourself knowing that it's going to come to pass. You can speak to your situation and know that it's going to change. If faith without works is demonstrating that faith or if faith without works that demonstrates that faith is dead, the faith without the work of forgiveness is useless. Forgiveness demonstrates our faith. It is faith that gives you the ability to be fully convinced that your circumstances can change. But forgiveness gives you the ability to be fully convinced that people can change, whether they do or not. The failsafe in God's plan is forgiveness. When you refuse forgiveness to others, you refuse forgiveness of yourself. Division and disorder at the core, they are at the core of chaos. And without the reset of forgiveness, you will not be able to speak order into the chaos of your life and bring it into alignment with the promises of God for your life. When you initiate the failsafe of forgiveness, you can call those things that be not as though they were. You can speak order where there is dysfunction and chaos. 
You have to speak order over it. Jesus says you have to you have to have faith and you can receive what you pray for if you believe you already have it. So if you believe that order is your portion, then you have but to believe that it's already yours and speak calm into the chaos in your life. The same way that Jesus calmed the winds and the sea. You also have to couple the correct heart posture with that faith and forgive when you pray for forgiveness so that you can receive it from God. You cannot believe that you already have something that you are not willing to forgive and give to others. Your heart is to be postured correctly in order that life that we vocally call for in faith can come through the power of the tongue out of the abundance of the heart. The book says that life and death is in the power of the tongue and out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks so if your heart is void of forgiveness and has not room for it then your life will be chaotic and full of rebellion full of frustration full of anger full of doubt it'll be full of worry full of anxiety full of sadness depression dysfunction disharmony and and division so when you find yourself in a dark place and everything seems to be crashing down all around you I definitely dare you to initiate the failsafe Forgive yourself and all the people wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up in your circumstances. And then start to speak over yourself the way that God hears about you when Jesus intercedes on your behalf. Get in the mirror if you have to and say, God sent Jesus that I might have life and have it more abundantly. God loved me so much that he gave his only son to redeem me. When you feel like you're not loved, remember that God thought you were to die for He thought that you were worth saving. When you feel like nothing is working out for you, no matter what you try, know that God cares for you and he had never given up on you and he never will because he believes in you. He called you because he knew that you could handle whatever he gave to you. Maybe your business is not going well. Maybe you have customers or clients that you can't get to buy anything. You can't move ahead no matter what you do. But I dare you to speak speak consequences to the dysfunction by the enemy and speak over and order in your chaos God desires that I be the lender and not the borrower God desires that I be on the receiving end of his good thoughts God desires that I have an expected end I am fearfully and wonderfully made and my soul knoweth that right well I am an heir to the kingdom and a joint heir with Christ I have been given the power to get wealth I give my tithes and my offering and God is just to keep his promises that are outlined in his word there are no holes in my pocket I am blessed and highly favored the Lord has my name in rooms that I have never been in everything that my business or everybody that my business has blessed or moved to move on my behalf he's already lined up people to bring up the supply I receive every blessing that God has for me I speak life ever abundant blessings over everyone that God moves to help me I come against the spirits of lack a spirit of laziness the spirit of want the spirit of ignorance the spirit of self-doubt the spirit of self-sabotage the spirit of depression the spirit of unbelief dysmorphias of every kind I bind any 
anything in me that would make me see myself less than how you see me. I'm grateful for everything in my life, the overflow and everything around me. When your husband is not husbanding right, I dare you to go to him and say, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. When your wife ain't acting right, I dare you to grab your good thing by the hand and tell her that when you failed her, you found favor because God gave her to you. When your kids aren't acting right, I dare you to pull them aside and tell them that they are gifts from God, that God has blessed you with them, that you prayed for them, and that they are not about to run you crazy. When your job is acting like it's a fool, I dare you to clock out of that good computer. I dare you to go into the bathroom, hold up in one of those stalls, and say, God has given me the power to get wealth. He used you to fund my business. You will not run me crazy today. When there is chaos in your life, you have to initiate the fail safe. Forgive yourself for everything that you felt like you didn't live up to. Forgive yourself for anything that you felt like you haven't done. All the things in your past don't hold you. They were good teachers, but they are not your address. All you have to do is forgive yourself. Once you forgive yourself, forgive the people around you. They may not have lived up to your expectations, but you didn't live up to some expectations. So if you want that forgiveness from God, you got to get that forgiveness to other people. And the last thing I'm going to tell you is that chaos is the birth child or the love child of all of the things in your heart that are not like God. That is where chaos comes from. So all you have to do, like I said, is forgive, but you got to learn how to initiate that fail safe and use it in faith. Jesus told the disciples that you could have what you want if you believed you already have it when you asked for it. So if you're talking to your situation and you're talking to your life, you can't talk to it like you still want it. You got to talk to it like God already done it for you. So at the end of the day, if you are worried about your children, call them saved. I want you to look at them and talk to them like they delivered. If it's something about your job you don't like, I need you to speak to the position that you want and not the one that you have. If it's somebody on your job that's getting up under your skin, I need you to talk to them like they delivered. Because I want you to understand something, that the things in people that we don't like are spirits that are dealing with them, and the things that you see are things that are a reflection of you. So sometimes when things are going haywire in your life, you have to take a step back and look at yourself and say, God, cleanse me. What in me is making me feel this way? Sometimes you just have to be real and understand that it's not just everybody else. So I want you to start with yourself. Put your hand on your chest and ask God to forgive you for the things that you haven't yet forgiven yourself for. Because when God says you have to forgive in order to be forgiven, he's talking about you too. We carry so much around because of guilt. We carry so much around because of things that we feel like don't allow us to meet the mark. But if God wanted perfect people, he would call perfect people. And the thing about it is that people don't relate to per per perfect people. Your story is what draws people to you. Your testimony is what makes you relatable. And for those of you who feel like there is nothing that you have gone through or you don't have a certain type of testimony that somebody else has, your testimony is that you have been kept. 
And the fact of the matter is that there are people outside of you who have been kept too. There's people who have never been to a club. There are people who are still virgins and they 40 something. There are people who have never smoked weed. There are people who have never done a lot of things. And they may think that the grace of God doesn't amount to them. It doesn't mean that they can have it. But I promise you, just because you kept doesn't mean that you don't have a group of people that need to hear your story. It's not square to be kept it's not lame to be kept and let me talk to you 12 to 17 year old people because there are a lot of resources for people up for younger than you there are a lot of resources for people older than you but it seems like there's nothing where people are reaching out to you but you seem to be the target of everything that everybody wants to throw away but I want you to understand that no matter what your parents have done, no matter what your parents have gotten you or given you, whether it be good or bad, you are not the result of who they are. You can become something different. Some of you have been born into a legacy of curses because of the decisions that your parents have made. But that doesn't mean that you have to pass that down to the people that are coming after you. You can be a curse breaker. And it starts with making a decision. I don't care how young you are. I know some of you personally that are dealing with parents that are dealing with things that they never process. They are dealing with their own curses and they can't help you process. But I promise you, it's nothing wrong with being able to center yourself and feel your feelings. It's nothing wrong with being able to process through the depression and the grief that you feel. For those of you who feel like you've lost a lot of friends, and I know you have because people are dying left and right every day. Trust me, your grief matters. You matter. How you feel matters. Don't think that just because your parents always bring up the people that they didn't lost every time you talk about how much you're hurting, that you're hurting, that your hurting is worth less than their hurting. For you parents that have kids that are 12 to 17, these babies need to talk to you. They need you to hear them. And all I ask you to do is to take yourself out of the equation. Take your feelings out of it when you're listening. Because when they're hurting, they are not talking about your hurt. They can't resonate with that. The, even though you've lost a lot of people over your lifetime, some of y'all with kids that's 12 to 17 years old, all they can resonate with is that 12 to 17 years. Everything before that has nothing to do with them. They can't connect with your hurt because they were not there. But at the end of the day, if you want them to be able to trust you, you got to listen. Sometimes it means sitting there with your hand over your mouth so you don't respond and say something that's going to put them back into their shell. These babies are hurting and they hurting by themselves. They are too young to go through some of the things that they're going through. And I want y'all to know that there is somebody that's listening to God on your behalf. There's somebody that's praying for you and interceding for you every day. There's somebody that's got your name on the altar that loves you, that cares for you and wants you to know that you matter. I don't want to live in this world and feel like and find out what it's like to live in this world without you. I don't want you to feel like tomorrow doesn't matter. I don't want you to feel like there's no reason to go on. I don't want you to feel like there's nothing left for you here because there are people that need you. There are people that love you. You don't know how much of an impact you have on people. At the end of the day, there are some people who are protected just because you're around. 
There are some people that other folks don't even bother just because they know who you are. I was talking to a young man the other day and he was saying that he wanted to kill himself. And he kept saying this around his younger brother. Now his younger brother, all, all of two years younger than him. But his younger brother got so mad and so angry because he loves his older brother, but he's mad and hurting that there is nothing he can do to change how that older brother feels. At the end of the day, this younger brother is protected from a lot of people simply because this older brother is around. There are people that don't bother him because they know who his big brother is. And I promise you, for those of you who don't know Jesus as your personal savior, you are not in this world by yourself. You have an older brother who intercedes for you every day. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your shortcomings. He knows that you're not perfect. He gets that you mess up. He gets that you don't know it all. But guess what? He still loves you and he still wants to have a relationship with you. He died simply because he wanted you to live. And at the end of the day, it doesn't require anything from you except a yes. So if you don't know Jesus in the free pardon of your sins, if you don't know Jesus as your personal savior, if you have not accepted his gift of redemption and salvation, if you don't know what that means, if you just know that you want to be redeemed, you don't want to be guilty or feel guilty no more. If you know that's you, all you got to do is accept Jesus into your heart. Just tell him in your own words that you believe in who he is. Tell him in your own words that you believe that God sent him to this earth to die in your place and that you accept that gift of salvation. Jesus loves you. God loves you. And all you have to do is accept him and be yourself. We need more of you not carbon copies of your friends, not carbon copies of who your parents desire you to be. Because at the end of the day, if who they wanted you to be would get the work done, it would have already been done. Because most of the time they want you to be who they could never become. So I want you to understand that God made you with a purpose. He designed you the way he wanted to design you. But you can't take the easy way out and just do what comes naturally like we said before a tree gives shade every day to everybody who feels like sitting up under the leaves of his branches it provides shelter to birds and animals and and things in its branches but if it doesn't actually bear the fruit that it was designed to bear then it is a fruitless tree that means that it is a worthless tree so don't do that Whatever God has placed in your heart that he's leading you to do, somebody needs you to do that. There are some people who are listening to me right now that didn't feel like somebody wanted you around before. But I want you, if you would just trust the love that God has for you, to put the pill bottle down. If you would just trust the love that God has for you, put the razor blade back in the box. If you would just trust the love that God has for you, take that belt out the closet and put it back in the dresser. If you would just trust the love that God has for you, don't go try to beat traffic. I want you to live. You have to live. There's no other way to say it. You have to live. 
Nobody wants to actually have to speak over your grave because you decided that life was too hard. It's only the way you're looking at it. Change your lenses. Don't look for what you're missing. Look for all that God wants to give you. You have so much room to receive because you don't have a whole lot of anything else. If you change the way you look at it, you'll see that you're in a right position to receive all that God has for you. Know that you can be touched, that you can be changed, that you can be healed, that you can be totally free from sin. All of your shackles can be broken and you can live again. You can be restored. You can be renewed. You can come alive and be made new because God loves you. He loves you. My God, my God. My Lord. You can be totally free. There's nothing too big. Jesus, God, we thank you so much for this opportunity 
to extend the love that you have to those who stand in need, to those who feel like there is nobody that loves them, God, to those who don't know that you have chosen them to live this life to give you glory. God, we pray that wherever need, that wherever healing is needed, God, that you were provided. God, we thank you so much that your, your stripes have already been put out there to be healing for those that need it. God, we thank you for mending broken hearts, God. We thank you for repurposing shattered dreams, God. We thank you for putting people back on paths that they never thought that they would be back on, Lord God. We thank you in the name of Jesus that those that were ready to give up, God, can now stand with a new refreshed breath, with a, with a second wind, Lord God, that they're willing to run on to see what the end is going to be, God. We pray for the youth of the world right now, Lord Jesus, that are falling by the wayside all over the place, God. We thank you for letting them know that there are people that love them, Lord God. We pray that you would just point them in the right direction, God. Allow us to live a life of good example, to let them know that even though that they're not perfect, there is still a place where they can be accepted and loved. God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for those who have accepted your, your love and your, your gift of salvation, God, and we pray that you would help us to help them live out the calling that you have placed on their life. For it's in Jesus' name we praise you and we love you and we give you glory. Amen. Now I can live again. I've been restored. I've been renewed. I've come alive because of you. I've been I've been renewed, I've come alive because of you. I have been set free yes, by your For listening to the Harvest Podcast. We pray that the message uplifted, encouraged, and challenged you as you continue to walk with God. If you're looking for a church home, the field is not confined by the four walls of the church. 
If you wish to become a partner in ministry, but more importantly, a member of this global family, simply click the link.